Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. I am so pumped to announce that we are now doing My Millennial Business. It's a small business podcast, so if you want to uh, be encouraged with your small business, jump in, have a listen. If you want to start a small business one day, jump in, have a listen. If you think you might do a side hustle, you'll be encouraged. It's a dedicated channel, My Millennial Business, just for the small businessy, businessy topics because I asked a lot of you. Uh, if you'd prefer like a Friday show or a separate podcast and the overwhelming majority said they would want a separate show. Also, we just launched Tire Kickers. It's not a money podcast. It's about cars. Asher, who you've heard of on the podcast, he does all our voiceover stuff and Dirty Mike, who's been on before. We're talking about cars, secondhand car reviews. It's a bit of fun. It's just banter. A lot of you love just listening to trash. So, tie kickers, check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast and my millennial business. I'm Glenn James and this is... John Pigeon. And today we are joined by Laura from Lala Social Club. Welcome back, Laura. Hello, Hello everybody. Hello, John. Good to Love see you. Love to have female voices, especially <laughs> Laura's. Exactly. Thank and you. And if you are new to M3, Laura is a friend of the podcast. Uh, she was very instrumental in, I guess, helping us get the podcast off the ground and making us look good. And she runs a marketing <laughs> consulting business. She runs a marketing conglomerate. So, if you <laughs> want some yes. details, you can go to lalasocialclub.co yes. and just tell us what you do, Laura. So, I essentially help small businesses to cut through the noise with their marketing. That's my big thing. So, we look at social media, email marketing, website, brand, we kind of help you with use all of those aspects to get results online. Sweet. Awesome. So, if you're a small business owner or if you're a big business owner and you need some help... Check totally. out lalasocialclub.co and we'll put a link in the show notes for everyone. Now, we are an entertainment podcast and I would suggest if you're here for financial advice, you're going to get what you pay for because we're just here to encourage you. We're here to like make your day brighter for the hour that you might have us in your ears and we do this podcast for the M3 community and you might think, oh, how do I become an M3 community member? We like to kind of say, if you listen to the podcast regularly, semi-regularly, if you just drop them past as a transient listener, g'day and welcome. Uh, if you're finding us on YouTube, uh, hello and thanks for watching. Now, I want to talk about how to work smarter, not harder. Yes. And it's easy to say, but sometimes harder in practice, okay? And what I've done, and it's going to be a two-part episode. So, this first episode, I'm going to share some of my initial thoughts and we can talk about them. And then next episode, uh, we'll share some of John's thoughts. And they do come at this topic from a different angle. Uh, and Laura will jump in, discuss, and she'll have her own ideas for working <laughs> smarter, not harder. Yes. you made notes, Laura? I've made so many notes. Awesome. Now, I, I kind of was thinking, I've recently purchased a Toyota Prado, okay? Good decision. So, Pidge has a Prado. I've got a Prado. I went full driving on the weekend and got mud everywhere. So, it's just a bit of a fun car. But Toyota, they are a rock solid manufacturer, okay? And it's interesting when you look at Toyota and particularly Japanese car manufacturers they are known for having quality products that just don't die, okay? Now, they're reliable, they're bloody, they can just do so many kilometers and there's just something about that company mm. that stands out all across the world, right? 
My father-in-law's got a 1999 Prado and it's done 370,000. It's gone, it's done a lap twice mm. and it's like, man, oh, what a feeling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this, ad, is this podcast actually sponsored by Toyota Not yet. as well? <laughs> Not, Not yet. yet. Not yet. Um, and the only recall they've had was on a 1992 Camry just last week, uh, recalling it on the basis that if you've still got one, it's time to get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Toyota, and I was doing some research and I would encourage you if you're a business owner or if you're working in like some type of role that talks about like product development or anything like that, uh, I did a little bit of research online. uh, But Toyota, the reason they are so good is, you know, they're they're slower to roll out changes. Uh, They're not necessarily a tech leader. So, they'll just kind of wait till, you know, that's a proven thing. It's like, yeah, windscreen wipers are here to stay. So, okay, well, we'll put wipers on the car type of thing. Um, They've got, they've just nailed what they call TQM, which is total quality management. So, for those in um, production and stuff, they might know a bit more about that. And they've got a really lean production system with less moving parts. Mm. Now, and I'm just going to read this paragraph that I saw on a blog online. The company established the Toyota Way, a set of business principles in 2001. It is based on Kaizen, continuous improvement. So, Kaizen is the word, it's a Japanese word for continuous improvement, basically. And it strives to eliminate waste and overproduction as well to create a bureaucratic system where any employee can suggest a change where they see fit. So, if you're on the production line and your job is to screw in tire pressure valve caps and you see that there's a better way, you can actually give that feedback. That's cool. So, there is a high value on human participation. There is a constant encouragement for further innovation, uh, consensus, and ideas for improvement. The Toyota way also focuses on long-term improvements rather than the short term. So, that's an interesting one as well, and that could be one of the points to work smarter, not harder, Mm. have a long game. The two main pillars of the Toyota way are customer first and respect for people. So, I just think the whole Toyota vibe, it's very interesting. Lean production, quality, and there's feedback all through the value chain, I guess, when creating the car. Mm. So, you can dig deep and you can read stuff online like Jeep in America, for example, Um their focus is probably more on the capitalism, profit, cheaper parts, let's get this thing happening, baby, where Toyota, it's like, no, quality, long-term, lean production line. Uh, so, I guess that's my opening TED talk mm. on working smarter, not harder. And I'm surprised as a sophisticated guy like yourself, you've only picked that up that Toyota's the best brand of car in 2020. Well, I had known for some time, John, because I don't know if you remember in 2013, I had a Lexus. So <laughs> I, I didn't know you in 2013. <laughs> so, so that's another story why I like Lexus because it's Toyota and Lexus stands for luxury export to the US. Because <laughs> Toyota wanted to get into the US market in a luxury way. Right. So, any, this, is, this isn't a car podcast. No, by no, the way. no. But I. I just love trying to keep up with your cars. Yes. Also, I feel like anyone in the M3 community <laughs> will be like, what is your new car? And, you know, so that's good. I'm glad you've landed on Toyota. I think that's. Yeah, it's solid. It's solid. Mm. Also, I feel like it's like the RM Williams maybe of the car yes. world. Possibly. Quality. Yeah. Like over quantity. With RM Williams, for instance, I bought a pair. It was two sizes too small and I I walked, I put them on and was like these are, and I wore them. I was like, maybe they're just supposed to feel like this. I wore them, was like, oh my gosh, this is not, this is not right. Ended up going down to one of their Sydney stores and they were like, oh, we'll swap them right here. And I was yeah. like, I have worn them though. Like yeah. you can oh, wow. see on the sole and they were like, no worries, no dramas. Yeah. They totally looked after me in the whole process mm-hmm. and it was like, huh. I'll totally, I'll yeah. buy their boots But forever. you can take your socks with you. We don't need to keep They those. didn't want to keep So I guess socks. from a, like a, um, <laughs> a brand perspective, the working smarter is also the RM way or the Toyota, Toyota way. It's like people first. Mm. So is that totally. a way that, you know, we can work smarter in our own lives by like valuing people first? 
not sure. Probably is. But I guess, yeah. do you want to have any opening statements, John, on this thesis? Well, I want to go back to – I want to keep it on cars for the moment. Sure. Because Ford has this, um, I suppose, long-winded story um, back in the day where they had a overnight crew and they had a day crew and they wanted to maximise their output of both those shifts. Now, what happened was there was this big – whiteboard uh in the in the um warehouse whatever you want to call factory, it if you factory will. yes <laughs> and uh the overnight crew started to put uh their figure as to how many cars they've pushed out on their shift so the day crew would come in and say right that's we're going to beat that right so quality potentially over quantity and that went on for years and, and Ford were wrapped with that because that was like, oh, we're pushing out more. No, sorry. You said quality over quantity. Do you mean quantity over quality? Is that what I said? Yeah. Yes. So you mean the bad side of it? Well, yeah. yeah. More accidents are going to – more errors are going to be made, aren't they, when they're, yeah. when they're trying to push out yeah. more of those. And I think even if you keep it on the car thing, it's like that how do you run things. And you can bring this down to your own workstation if you're sitting at a desk or if you're an electrician, mm. like – how can you make things more seamless? So mm. um, different manufacturers will bring in crap from all over the world mm. and have just-in-time delivery and all that where I believe Toyota isn't as savage in that way. Mm. So there's just literally more lean, less moving parts. Yeah, and it's yeah, I'm ready to rip into this. Let's yeah. do it. So I guess my first uh, point that I've written down is one thing that we can all do, whether you're an employee, whether you're self-employed, whatever walk of life that you are, to work smarter, not harder, which doesn't take much effort, is to transfer your human capital or some of it each week, each month, each whatever, into investments. Mm -hmm. So I wrote down 10, 15, 20% with a question mark. We all as employees transfer automatically 9.5% mm. of our work into investments. So how can I encourage everybody listening to go, well, I'm going to turn this up a notch and invest 5% of my salary for the long term. So instantly I'm transferring my human capital into the future and it will never go away until you're 60 years old and you want to draw down on it. And hopefully it's working for me. Yeah, so... I guess what can you do to transfer your human capital? And that could be, you know, I want to do more hours at work or I'm going to do the Saturday shift for half an hour of half a day, sorry, and just put that money into an investment account for my future. So that's kind of the first thing that I had. The second one I had was, you know, double down on our strengths. So there's, totally. there's a lot out there and particularly probably me going through high school and early 20s and all that, there was a thing in our culture that was like you need to work on your weaknesses. Mm. But I think that's rubbish because I'm always going to be a terrible singer. I'm always going to be a terrible guitar player. <laughs> I'm not sitting there working on that crap. Yeah, totally. So, so in your business, Laura, so how have you kind of – and not only business, in your life, how have you doubled down on your strengths and um, and potentially outsourced the weakness? Yeah, I think this is something I have learned along the way. But I, I think my – have you guys done Strengths Finder, the test? I think so. You, so they kind of – they come back to you and they give you your top strengths. Right. And for me, I just was like, great. Mine are really around strategic, futuristic. Maximizer was one of mine. And so in my business, I've found that I lean into those strengths. Whereas, so I'll be working with people on, okay, how can you grow your business or how can you maximize, you know, your ad spend or different, different things like that within my work. And leaning into those strengths has helped me a lot you know, one of those strengths is, you know, empathy. Mm. And in work, you can still lean into those those strengths that you have, you know, whatever your industry is or whatever your work is. But I think for me, I have had to realise when I'm not operating in those strengths, 
I am doing the people I work with a disservice. I'm also doing myself a disservice because I hate it. So if I am, you know, admin is not something that I love. I don't like it's not my strong suit. So I've had to surround myself with a team of people who are like, right, I love this stuff. I'm going to get this done. You know, Jess, who produces the podcast, she's amazing at that. And I think it's building a team around your, like, that complement your strengths. But also I think self-awareness is a big one too. Actually knowing what your strengths are and your weaknesses are so you can cover that. Absolutely. How have you uh, doubled down on your strengths over time, John? Well, I think first of all, the strength and weakness part is I was taught the same thing. Work on your weaknesses and then you'll be more rounded person. And I suppose where that first came for me was in sport. Um, as a Like you referred to, say, singing. Like do you need to be a good singer for you to run a good business or be a healthy person or run a good life? Like probably not. Helps in the shower, but doesn't really <laughs> matter so much. Whereas as a tennis player, if you don't work on your weakness as a backhand, then you're going to be in trouble. You can't employ someone else to do your backhand mm. for you. So in business, it's uh, I agree totally, Laura, like you're working on your strengths, your weaknesses. Well, I, I suck at admin. I don't like it. So I'm going to get someone else in to do it for me. Like yeah. that's the total business approach. But I think a lot of business owners don't, um, do that because they like control. They like to keep their hands on on every aspect of the business. So totally. yeah, um, it, I didn't really answer your question at all. No, but that's fine. You never do. But I, <laughs> I'm thinking like there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast who aren't business owners who aren't self employed. So I'm kind of thinking it's like in your day job, if. You, like if you sit at a desk or you work in a factory or you drive a truck or whatever you do, if there's, you know, that one thing that you actually are not good at and that self-awareness thing comes to mind because there's a lot of people that think they're good at something and everyone else is going, oh, no, you actually suck. Um, <laughs> totally. But can you go, can you approach your boss and be like, hey, yeah, on you know, on Thursdays, you know, you know, we have to do this task. I'm just letting you know, I actually one am not great at this task. I think my time in the business would be better spent doing something else. So, can you have the discussion? Yeah, and that that's an interesting discussion because if my dad was here right now, mm. he'd be saying suck it up and do that job because that's what you've been told to do. Whereas the next generation through is questioning that saying, well, that's not going to be the best use of my time nor the company's. Yeah. So it's it – That really- I would hypothesize as an employee, like absolutely your old man would say that and, you know, my grandfather because you're a lot older than me so um, <laughs> would probably say that. But I think it's that in terms of this wellness factor in our life and employment mm-hmm. now – you know, if Nath, uh, the editor here, what up, Nath? Thanks for editing. If he's like, you know what? I really hate editing. I'm like, okay, well, it's your job. So, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, but like that's a bad example. It's like I'm your old man. But if he says, look, I really hate- Making um, coffee for you. <laughs> making co- no, I make all the coffee around here. If he really <laughs> hates doing, you know, a 20% of the role, yeah. I would rather know- so I can then solve that problem because yeah. you'd hate to leave a business on a 20% that you hate doing totally. if you like the rest of the job. Yeah, but it requires a good mindset from the boss totally. and, it, and it requires trust and transparency for the employee, doesn't it? It's like, well, am I comfortable approaching Glenn mm. and discussing that 20% that I hate with him? Or will he say, well, hang on a minute. He's maybe not the right fit. I'm going to replace Nathan. Well, maybe in part of this working smarter, not harder, is that if you are working in a toxic workplace. Yes. Like you want to be working smarter. Like everyone, you know, we all do stuff, you know, every day. Like if you're a dentist, most of the day you're going to be doing teeth stuff. If you're a plumber, most of the day you're going to be doing drain stuff. If you're a, I don't know, Teacher. teacher, you're going to be teaching. So... We've all got our core thing, mm. but I really think the um, the the weaknesses. And if the, if your whole job's 
a perceived weakness in your mind, maybe it, it's a full career change. Yeah. Totally. And you'll probably touch on this, but this perceived weakness is also a discussion point because like I I don't think I'm a good cook, but I don't like it either. If I actually applied myself, I might be okay at it. Like, mm. But I've got it in my mind that I just I'm not a good cook. Yeah. Well, one of the points that I made here, and it probably leads on to that career thing and for those who are at university or for our younger listeners who are still at school, you're probably watching on YouTube because a lot of Jen said, watch on YouTube, what up? Um, <laughs> I would probably say, I heard some old guy say on the radio one day, he was probably a million years old and he's one piece of advice, and I've said this on the podcast before, he's like, don't focus and double like down on what you love do what you're good at and what you like because that will have the highest chance of having a successful career in life. Yeah. Like sure, if you if you love playing guitar, you love singing and you turn out to be Chris Martin, all good, but I think that's a small percentage of the population. Yeah. And also I think there's a difference between um, hobbies and and work. And I think a lot of the time, particularly millennials, we think that our work defines our meaning of life. And it can, you know, I understand that having like some form of purpose attached to your work is really important. But at the same time, sometimes work is work. And sometimes running a business is running a business. And there are moments where it's not all like yeah, rosy. So not. I think like having something external that's like, oh, I just actually do this for fun mm. and enjoyment and because I love it. Exactly. Yeah. So if you weren't running this as a business, being a marketing guru, would you do that in your spare time as a hobby because you enjoy it? Yeah, I think, well, I think it started out for me as I enjoyed the creative side of it. So I loved photography and, and writing. So I really found that that my hobby, I guess, led me to yes. my job. So, but now I'm like, well, I need another hobby because that's actually work now. So mm. maybe playing tennis or like yeah. doing something that's just not. Well, that's why I bought the Prado because I needed a hobby because, yeah. you know, the podcast was a bit of a hobby outside of work and yeah. now it's not. Because I would argue with that million old guy in the sense that generally what you're good at, you enjoy. Because you are good at it, gives totally. you self confidence, gives you a whole range of things. Like if you, you generally, I'm, I've never met, I rarely meet someone that doesn't enjoy something that they're good at. Yeah, but and I think that's you know do what you like and what you're good at. Mm. I'm talking about that. You know, Nate plays bass and he probably jams with friends and in a garage. You know, that's not paying the bills right now. No, so it could though. It could, but yeah. that's what I'm saying. For your, I guess we talk about that big rock in your career. Yeah. I think you really need to target, you know, working smarter, you know, doing that stuff than working harder doing what you love, which might not pay the bills yet. Yeah, totally. So yeah, cool. um, a- another thing that I had written down, and again, this is for those who might be an employee who, because yeah, we do you know, we're all self-employed here and, you know, I'm self-employed running a podcast, but I have been an employee and I have done stuff like this. And if you're in my team and you're listening to this, I want you to take note. If there's something you have to do more than once, how can we template that? Or at least set up a framework or just to make that easy, make it a bit more of a habit. So, you know, whether it's you, you're working on files in the office and you're onboarding a client, can you get some Excel spreadsheet that is the onboarding checklist? And every single file, it comes up and you write the list of things that you got to do and you kind of systemate and automate that task as much as possible. Mm, is, that, is that like when Homer Simpson got that chicken that pecked the keyboard the same time so he didn't have to be there? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> he didn't have to be in the office, just pressed it. <laughs> yeah, that is working smarter, not harder. That is smarter for Homer, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> mm. But I think that's so true. I think, you know, in, in business, and I think this applies to, you know, if you are in a corporate role or whatever your job kind of is, what can you – if you are doing a task that is repetitive and, and it happens every every other week, 
what can you what parts of that can you automate outsource and delegate so if there are parts of that that you go actually we can make a totally make a template make a system out of this that just clicks we click a button you know there are so many project management tools where you click a button you put them into a stage that client or that project into a stage and it actions a bunch of other tasks that could be sent via automated emails you know there are so many things that we could be doing to actually make our processes Mm. much more streamlined and then it's also getting good at going actually I'm going to outsource that that's not my strength I'm going to outsource that I don't know how much you can do that you know within a workplace well I I think it could be that um and this is where you know if you really do want to excel 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 or succeed (laughs) you almost said you almost stuffed up totally saying that that could have been Um, way worse if you really want to exceed or excel in your career and in your business favor follows the active i believe yeah luck follows the active if you're living a passive life and just rocking up doing your thing and going home and not being active and proactive there will be a big difference with the person that works next to you who's got an active role, okay? Yeah. Now, what if, based on that, Laura, you're in your role, you're an employee of a business, and yes, granted, if you work for the government department as a bureaucracy machine, yep, totally might be harder, but working for a smaller business, what if you said, hey, boss, you know, we're doing this every time, okay? What about we set up a little automation thing and, you know, I reckon we could outsource this part of the business and mm. use me as the gatekeeper. So, yeah. if you're the um, somebody and you do this, you're like, well, what about we free up time? I'll do a little system and we get maybe two contractors to do that task. I'll gatekeep that. And then what will happen is we're using two contractors because if one falls over or doesn't happen, we've got redundancy. So, the business will keep on ticking on. But... It's just that thinking and and I was even thinking like I know a lot of hair salons, um, they might do stuff where they'll use all the hair and they, they might package the hair up, put in bags and then I think some company will take it and do something with it. Um, I'm going beyond the scope of what I know about hair salons but, <laughs> but at some point Burn they've it. gone, <laughs> we can get someone to come in and collect the hair to use for oil spill soakers or whatever. Wow, um, I did not know that that happened. I think so. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I challenge the hypothesis that someone might say, I'm just an employee. I can't work smarter in my role. Mm. And I really believe if you own that current role, be active in that role, show initiative, working smarter in your role, you'll be amazed what happens in a year's time. Mm. Yeah, totally. totally. Yeah, it comes back to the mindset of the individual, doesn't it? Absolutely. How they approach it. Yeah. So I think another example, uh, again, within the employee context, and again, you can use this as a self-employed, JP Jess, who's working in the team now, she's a bit of a, you know, she does a bit of everything. Okay, so our team now, we're trying to cross-train. So like my example before, if someone is away or gets hit by a bus, we can all step in and cross-train. At the interview, it stood out to me. We had a a design job that she sent through and it was really cool. And we're like, geez, that would take in freaking a year to design. And Jason, who kind of is our, I don't know, he's one of our creative dudes or something. He kind of helped, you know, look for the creatives with me. He asked her, how did you do this? Did you design it in this? Or And she said, and this was just amazing, and this is the mindset as an employee that you're looking for. She said, I had to do this project, so I, I knew it would have taken a long time, so I just went and purchased some different assets and used them all. So instead of taking four days to design it, she's asked the boss, hey, can I just spend $30 on some stock Mm, I'm, totally. I'm making a really bad creative market or yeah, Fiverr yeah. And you, where you can buy templates. Fast yeah. track the result. Totally. Yeah. So that's an example of working smarter mm. as Absolutely. an employee. Yeah. And that really stood out to me as someone who's active thinking. Totally. And maybe that is one of the point. You've got to change your thinking mm. to be active, to happen to life, not let life happen to you. No, if you want to succeed 
in the workforce than in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I know for me, if if one of one of my team approached me and said, Hey, this I understand the vision of what you're trying to do here and I'm all on board, but this is a sticking point in the process. If someone came to me and said that, I would be like, I love what any initiative, I'm like, yes, that's awesome. Tell me what you want to do yeah. and and let's make it happen. Because anyone who's thinking has that ownership i i would see it as an ownership thing and i'm sure shell and m would have ways to do that in a way that doesn't condescend or you know come across the wrong way but i know for me as as an employer i would be like yes i so appreciate you doing that and you you tell me what how you want it to go and i will sign off on it kind of thing so yeah it's, it's all almost a personality profiling isn't it as um showing initiative like Totally. Good attitude, show initiative, um, be uh, be a generous person. Like there's all there's some yeah. traits that make up all these things that we're talking about. Yeah. And on the flip side, imagine if someone left your business because they hated their job, their role, or if they or were even like twenty percent of the role. Yeah, you would be. You'd be like, oh man, I wish I'd have known because yeah, I would have. That's right. I would have worked to transition you out. Maybe it's not an immediate overnight thing, but I would have understood. Hey, it's better for me to retain you as an employee or as a valued part of the team than for me to go find someone else yeah. and teach them the processes. I'd rather make the people on on board already mm. stoked and yeah. love their job. I don't think employees. I don't think employers are thinking. I hope they hate their job. <laughs> no, I, generally not. No, generally not. Glenn, you no. Don't. Oh, sometimes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> punishment, um, my own mental punishment. Yes. Um, I, I, I think as well. Like, you know, you might be like, "Oh, this is a bloody money podcast. Why aren't you talking about money?" Well, it's like if you control that person in the mirror, a lot of things get worked out. Yeah, like the money, like. Are you talking about your partner when you when you see them? Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, yeah, that's like, what I thought too. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> it, it is such just that mindset of before I engage in a task, I'm just going to step back and have a bit of a look. I read a book recently and I forget the one. It might have been Adam Kay about um, – he was a medical – it's a comedy book. It's hilarious and it's called um, – let me – do you want to talk about something, John, while I'm going to find this book title? I was just thinking before, it's it's really if – you, if you're listening there as a business owner, fantastic. You, this is what you want to, to do for employees, be transparent, make them – make yourself easily approached to, mm. to have a conversation. But if you're sitting there as a an employee thinking, well – What's my boss thinking? What what do they want out of me? Like and and having that two way thinking because I think always and I go back to sport again, Glenn, as I love to, that that coach player relationship. Like, well, what does the coach want out of me? What is the coach's vision? Like, where where are we going with this thing? Mm, yeah. yeah. So the book that I think it was in here, if not read this anyway because it's hilarious and there's some good lessons. It's called This Is Going to Hurt. And it's the journal of uh, a doctor called Adam Kay in the UK, uh, journaling all his stuff from going through med school and being a, I don't know, a resident and all that in the hospital and stuff like patient checks in, um, weird sensation on the tongue, um, diagnosis, like taste buds, like just the (laughs) dumb stories of like people going to the ER in the NHS. But I think it was either this book or another one, I might be getting confused. Uh, where they did a simulation of a, a an emergency in a hospital room. So, had the dummy on the bed. They did some cardiac arrest or something like this and had all the doctors and the people working on it. And basically, the problem was, and I'm loosely paraphrasing this, that the actual machine or something wasn't actually just turned on. So, the... the patients crashing and all the doctors are just dialing in on you know this patient crashing where it's like there was this the one person actually step back and just do that basic turn the power on is this on is this on and that speaks to that when you come up to a task mm. before you mindlessly go in and go i've got to do this task you know resuscitate the patient it's like okay let's just step back two seconds 
Mm. Have a think, have a look. How can we do this in the most efficient way? Mm. Totally. And I mean, I don't know if this is, you'll touch on this later, Glenn, but the, the big thing I find, and this would apply to business owners as well as employees, is if you, like busy work is the enemy of working smart, I believe. I think that the amount of time we spend on email, the amount of time we spend in Slack channels, team or whatever, teams, it really, it makes us, it kind of stops us from, as you say, stepping back and seeing the big picture and like actually doing deep work and and getting those big things done. So while ever you're responding to emails and putting out fires, it's really hard to work smart. It's really hard to get the important but not urgent tasks Mm, done. So I think the productivity side of things is a big part. Well, I think that's taken me a really long time to learn. Uh, And just as of very recently, how we're scheduling like the podcast stuff because, you know, I technically run a business being the podcast and all the stuff we do. We're now doing kind of quote unquote two weeks on recording, two weeks off. So we'll record for two weeks and then two weeks off recording because once we, you know, we're sitting here today recording, if we do this day and then in two days we do another bit of recording, we actually don't get the flow that we need. Totally. And we don't get that deep work. I think there's a book, Cal Newport or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's Google Glenn James book recommendations. It's on there on that page. Um, and he talks about, you know, getting that deep work. We can't actually get the deep work done in the business while we're doing spot fires of recording. Like Nate totally. can't sit there and spend an hour and a half editing. Yeah. If it's like, all right, we've got to press record now and we've got guests coming in. So we've had to move. But it's been really hard for me because – the two weeks that are quote unquote off of not recording, I feel like I'm not doing anything. So I've had to really relearn how to use that time as creative time, how to do content. Like I was just in Byron Bay recently on that off week, just kind of working from up there and trying to, Yeah, it looks weird, but we are trying to work smarter with how we do totally. things. Yeah, And you can often appear busy without being actually yeah. um, influential I think at all. The statistic is like, the average employee spends 13 hours a week on email. It's like crazy when you think about that. So even for me, like things that I have had to implement myself is like, okay, I have an email check-in time. I have an Instagram check-in time because Instagram is part of my job. But like I – we can think we're working but we're really not. We're just scrolling or we're just – kind of doing little tasks whereas we really if we want to be valuable employees and if we want to finish projects like each of us have online courses yeah. you can't do that like you really need to dedicate a lot of time and a lot of thought and it's never going to be urgent mm. it's always going to be something that falls to the bottom mm. of the pile so framing your days I think is a big one like how do you structure your days for me I th- I try to theme my days so I you know Client work is Monday, Tuesday. I thought you meant like Monday's purple. (laughs) Tuesday is unicorn and rainbows. But yeah, I mean, we naturally, we've already been doing that for ages. I don't know. You guys don't do that? I think (laughs) the part two of this conversation, it probably will dig down next episode into some of that stuff because I've seen what John has to say on this stuff. Yeah. Um, Stole my notes. Sorry. Yeah. He stole your notes or I stole your notes? No, he did. Yeah. Well, I didn't. They're your bloody notes. Not mine. This is my notes right here. Now, just finishing up on the kind of talking points that I had, uh, if you really want to dig down into that, uh, I'm an employee, but I don't want to be full-time or you want to start a business because there are a lot of people that have intentions of doing their own thing one day, side hustles, and how can you have the mindset? So in 2011, I used to go to Google every month at Piermont and they had this thing called Google Google Pseudo and it was an event they were trying to get the startup community happening in Sydney and Google put on this free event I think once a month and we used to all go down there and there's just all entrepreneurs everywhere and it was just the amazing people that you would meet like um, and their whole thing was it's like when you're building a business are you making it scalable and saleable so how can you make things scalable and saleable um, which is not always possible to sell your own thing but how can you have recurring revenue and scale in your business and in your life? So you talked about the online courses, Laura. Laura, um, you've got an online course about 
branding, marketing, yeah. everything for a turnkey business, okay? Now, that's really good. It's kind of that geese gander type thing. What's good for the geese is good for the gander. Laura, talk to us about what the course is and who it's for. So, it's called My Marketing Playbook and it's really... It's like I've slipped an ad into it's, this. It is like you've slipped an ad yeah. into this. Um, so it's, she was ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> I was so ready. I'm ready. Um, it's really a course, an online course to help you to get really good at marketing. That's the whole um, point of it. But it's full of DIY marketing strategies. So, it's a lot of the stuff I've worked on with one-on-one clients and so that you don't have to do... And this maybe falls into the work smarter, not harder. You don't have to find the tools and programs to use. You don't have to like work it out by Googling all this stuff. It's actually a framework that you Mm -hmm. can follow. You can kind of plug and play your own business into this framework that actually that works and it has worked for multiple businesses that we've worked with. So again, I think actually upskilling is a way of working smarter. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of this whole like recurring revenue and scale thing like that's a recurring revenue for Laura because, you know, it's recurring, you know, it's, well, technically, <laughs> yes, it's yeah, not indeed. a membership program, <laughs> yeah. uh, but it is kind of passive quote unquote income. Okay. Yeah, totally. Now, and it's got scale. So much like John's online course and my online course and the podcast, like we could get another 5,000 listeners tomorrow and yeah. possibly... Uh, be able to charge more for ads, for example, without actually having to change anything. Mm. So yeah. we've got scale with what we do. And basically another point that I had, which goes to Laura's points with, you know, if you are starting that small business, it's learning from others' mistakes, making totally. huge leaps. Mm. So part of when I started my first business, um, I did learn from like the Google mindset. How do you make things lean? How do you make things scalable? Yeah. And I think those huge leaps, they, they're just more available today and investing, you know, a couple hundred bucks or however much your course is, how much is it? It's two ninety nine yeah. US. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, under 500 bucks mm. to learn these gold gems that would actually propel you so far, mm. it's actually, that to me is working smarter. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's the same with your with both of your courses. It's the same thing. It's really you're learning from a specialist a skill that they've honed over a really long time. And so I think that is definitely part of that. Yeah, being, and I mean, you know, in our business here, we've got an online course. I don't think Nathan's completed it yet on video editing. <laughs> Have you? No. So, um, <laughs> you know, we buy online courses, you know, uh Jess and Jess, they've got a, a course by Chris Doe, who's this, you know, design futurist freak in America. So, like, we use online courses here mm. because totally. it's just working smarter. Yeah. Yeah. I think as an individual, uh, what your course, for example, does, uh, even though I haven't seen it, it <laughs> <laughs> by the sounds of it, it's, it's allowing them to take control of their own situation. Totally. They're, they're not... You're not saying go and outsource and go and do this X, Y, Z and you'll be a success. It's actually getting the tools to take um, control Mm. themselves, which is so powerful. It's the teaching a man to fish Mm. kind of way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, how can you do whatever you do, um, be it scalable? So, and it it kind of all leads into one. It's like how you've got to stop doing things manually. So, can you implement checklists? Can you implement templates? Can you implement Mm -hmm. stuff that… You know, you can actually get more stuff done at scale without actually changing anything because that's ultimately how to work smart. Yeah. And I've got two kind of last ones and this one we'll probably touch on more next episode. Uh, For me, like what helps with my productivity is pen and paper, one thing at a time. If I write down things, I just first one, focused intensity, multitasking. There's some articles, I think Harvard Business Review online, multitasking. I've done a podcast express episode on it or an email or something, multitasking is a bit of a fallacy mm. because you just spread and it's not efficient. And then the last one, you know, there's a lot of people that do stuff online uh, in this day and age, uh, us included. I always kind of get overwhelmed. It's like, well, we do this podcast. 
I I don't know what to talk about. Like I get this overwhelmed thing. It's like, all right, well, we'll do the podcast another three months and then we'll wrap this up because we're finished. But it's like <laughs> I get overwhelmed but I've, it's like, no, uh, it's user-generated content. We can just go back to the community and say, what do you want us to talk about? Yeah. And so we can draw from the community. So in that sense, I work smarter because one, I don't have to think about stuff and two – we can actually do what people want. Yeah, relevant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a short break and we'll come back with uh, the community member of the week and some closing words. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. And now, for the most highly regarded, auspicious moment in podcast history in Australia, which maybe isn't as big as it should be, it is the My Millennial Money Community Member of the Week. All right, Community Member of the Week. This week it is Hannah. She, get this, John, lives on the central coast of New South Wales. So she's a local. So thank you, Hannah. For you, listening, she's a 27-year-old New South Wales government uh, worker in transport infrastructure. Okay. So, hopefully, uh, their team is making our life easier, yes. not harder. Transit. <laughs> so, her financial goal is get out of credit card debt. She's got about seven grand. Uh, reduce the interest being paid on her car loan, which is 37 grand. That's a big car. And save for a house deposit, save for emergency, and buy shares with ten k. So sorry, hope it's a Toyota. Hope it's a Toyota. So there's a, she's got a lot of financial goals going on there. Mm. What tips would you give her on her financial goals there? Have a good attitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Work smarter, not harder. I would say get out of debt as quick as you can. You got to you've got to rid that seven k for a start. Is that what you want me to do? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like the when we when we rank these debts, uh, the credit card debt is definitely the worst. So we've got to get rid of that as quick as possible. Don't worry about your your savings. Um, I'd probably differ from you a little bit in this. Uh, get a buffer in your life. Get your debt removed. Mm-hmm. Sort of like run lean until that debt's gone, and then build your buffers up. Oh yeah, but. My buffer, it's just have 2K buffer first. Yeah, okay. A mini buffer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I would just say to Hannah, look, the saving emergency and the buying the shares and the house deposit, fantastic, but just get rid of that um, jargon first. With the 37K, I would say, look, you've got an asset there at least. Um, it's probably getting lower and lower as we talk, but you've got to move forward and 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 – build that deposit i think first so we can get into some assets so i wouldn't get rid of the 37 okay would you um it depends i don't have enough information on her overall situation neither do i how's she achieving the goal so far the strategy that has one task after another with triggers and dates timeline yeah well there you go so she's got a bit of a plan and what's her silliest money mistake uh, allowed a car dealership to put me into a financing situation where I didn't have much equity in my previous car loan and now paying both off. Oh, so yeah, so she's too. rolled negative equity into her car, I think. Mm. So basically with car loans, you can sometimes borrow like 110%. Mm. And so basically what you do, you're like, oh, I need a new car. And you go into the dealer and they say, we can give you this new car for 30 grand. Yeah. But... I'm seven grand under on my current car. So I'll go, oh, all good. We'll just finance you 37 grand and then you can drive away a new car over five years because they'll never give you a four year because they want it low as possible. Uh, so I don't get my financial advice from uh, a car dealership. don't know about you guys. Is it still common? Are they still doing that? Yeah. Yeah. It's the Wild West. Mm. Crazy, isn't it? Any final thoughts on today's episode, Laura? 
No, I think it's all really good. I'm excited to get into the practical elements of how to do that, how to actually implement it into your work life. Nothing else to add. Yeah. Sweet. Been good. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And remember, you can follow us on Instagram. You can join the Facebook group. Uh, Remember, we've got My Millennial Career, which is a career podcast. We've got Gen Z Money for under 24s. We've also got My Millennial Property, which John and Emily take care of that. So, thanks for listening today. We'll see you guys soon. Bye. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.